bit when you fast. I think this, fasting creates space. Not just because you're not eating and you can take that time for something else, but it opens you up for more of the divine. And I think this is true. You're saying no to things so you can say yes to God when you fast. This is maybe an easy way to think about it. It's a human subtraction for a divine addition. You are subtracting some things of your life and you're saying, I'm open for a divine addition in my life. I think this is true. This should be on the screen. This is an appetite shift of food for the soul. You begin to crave something else. You begin to crave more. Your soul desires more. Jesus said it himself. He is the bread of life. And so when he's calling us to live on him, to have our being in him, we are living in that soul or that food for the soul. Two things I think you should know is, one, you'll be able to taste the difference when you begin to engage in spiritual disciplines. You'll taste the difference between true soul nourishment and soul junk food. Those are hard to do when we're inundated with a lot of different things, but you'll be able to taste true soul nourishment and and, and soul junk food. Soul junk food is just a, a, a deception. It feels... it's temporarily satisfying, you might feel, but it leaves you wanting and empty, wanting more. True, true, I think, ultimate soul nourishment, which is subtraction and addition from the divine, you will truly be fulfilled in that way. The other thing here is fasting clears us out and opens us up to intentionally seeking God's will. Not my will, but your will. If you look at Jesus, we always refer to Jesus as fast, is when he's in the desert. But really, if you look at Jesus's life, it was a fast, all the way to the end, to the very end. Jesus gave up everything to come here and to live this life and to die on the cross. And even in the garden, when he's saying, no, no, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, this is ultimately what fasting is about. It's intentionally seeking God's will and grace in a, in a way that goes way beyond normal habits of worship and prayer. It does something. It moves your insides. Now know this, fasting is not magic. There's nothing magical about it. I think sometimes people will try to take something, a practice like fasting, and turn it into more than what it is. I mean, people write whole books on fasting. There are whole things on fasting. Oh my gosh, I tried to look up uh, something about Daniel's fast, and I couldn't even get anything other than the Daniel fast book, right? Like, fasting is not magic. Fasting is not legalistic. It's not something that you feel like you have to do or you're in trouble or you're not good or if you, or if you mess up during your fast, which I've done many times, and I've been like, oh, I broke my fast. I forgot I was fasting. And it's like, now I've got to start over. And it's like, why? Just move on. Keep going. We get legalistic about these things. Fasting isn't bending God's will to your will. I think sometimes we think that's the case. God, I need this to happen. I'm going to fast, and you will do this for me. You know what I'm talking about? Fasting is bending our will to his will. 
It's real satisfaction. Have you ever wandered around and just ever felt like just one day you woke up and you're like, I'm unsatisfied? Have you ever had that feeling? It's like a resting feeling of I'm unsatisfied. I don't know what it is. Do I, what do I need? Some chocolate? Or am I just unhappy in life? Or That's a really tough feeling to carry around, just feeling unsatisfied. But God promises that he is our satisfaction. And so sometimes we go around and we look for the other things to bring satisfaction. But when we feel that feeling, I, I, I would offer to you that maybe we should consider going for true satisfaction instead of just going to other things. Let me give you some examples of fasting. Mm. Some in scripture, some in history. Fasting is abstaining for a purpose, right? So you'll see this in scripture. Adam and Eve, right? They're the first ones. Adam and Eve, God says, I give you everything, but there's one thing I want you to abstain from for a purpose, and it's this thing. Now, they broke their fast, right? And we're all here because of this. But this is the one thing God says, listen, I want you to abstain from that. Don't eat the fruit. Moses did his, was the first one to do an intentional fast, 40 days. And what he was doing in that 40 days was in the very presence of God. Israel, many, many, many times throughout the Old Testament, is called to come into prayer and fasting for many reasons, mostly for repentance, for mourning, right? Ultimately for seeking God's voice. And it's always followed out by cry out for me, or they would eventually cry out to God. Daniel or David was an avid faster. He would fast for things like dependence, mourning, a loss, or his sin to hand it over to God so he could fully release it. Daniel fasted when he was offered by the ruler, the emperor, to feast in a certain way by their ways. And he said, no, I will not. I'm going to abstain. And I'm going to abstain for reasons of strength and oppression. My God will sustain me. Jesus, when he fasted in the desert, then there's some significance because he really is this uh, the, the, the greater version of Moses, if you will, the new Moses, if you will. So he fasts 40 days as well. But Jesus' fast and Moses' fast were very different. Jesus is defeating and saying, I'm defeating the flesh. It's possible to rely fully on spiritual food. And so flesh does not rule him, but every word that comes out from God's mouth is his Food And the church in the New Testament fast. They are fasting in times when they need direction. They are fasting in times where they're seeking God out. Strength, wisdom, direction, the church is doing that. You know, you may not know this, but there's some historical uh, national fasts that have happened for specific purposes and I've made note of this, I've, I've looked these up, I think, years ago, but England in, in 1588 called for a national fast as the Spanish Armada was sailing to invade. In 1620, the pilgrims fasted before they went on this wild journey they went on. In 1756, Britain uh, called for a day of prayer and fasting to thwart off the uh, a French invasion. Lincoln called for a national day of fasting during the Civil War. 
1940, Britain called for a national day of fasting as the Nazis were going to, were two days out from invading Britain. Churchill even said the crux of the Battle of Britain was the national day of fast saved us, right? There's power, or there's something powerful about fasting, that whole nations will be called to it, whole peoples will be called to it, and we ourselves, in an individual level, are leaning into God because He is everything that we need. So that's some examples of fasting. I, I think it's important to talk about how to approach fasting. Approaching fasting is, is I think, the most key thing about fasting. I always say this to people when I have to check my heart as a pastor and even as a believer is I don't want to labor in vain. I don't want to waste my time. I don't know about you, but being a Christian is not easy in this world. Saying no to things that are tempting is not easy, right? Being different than other people is not easy, Taking ridicule is not easy. Being a Christian, I'm just, I just hate to break it to you, it's not that easy. There's a lot of pressure. So why waste my time in laboring in vain? So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Because I'm all in, I'm all in. And fasting is similar in that way. It's what is our motivation? What is our motive? Because it's not an easy task to do it. So here's how approaching fasting, I think, is helpful. One is this very simple phrase I think will be helpful as you approach, which is motive, right, over method. Your motive is what's important over method. I think sometimes we get caught up in method, but really it's motive. It seems to be what God cares about. What is your motivation to fast? Why? And to maintain keeping that motivation for fasting. If, you're, you know, if your motivation is weight loss... I will question your motivation about a spiritual discipline of fasting. It's great, but not spiritual discipline of fasting. So we have to separate these things. This guy up here on the screen, you will not believe this. I couldn't believe it when I read it. It is in the Guinness Book of World Records. For the longest someone has ever gone without eating food, 382 days of no food. What is his name? Angus Barbary. He fasted. He's a Scottish guy, and he wanted to lose weight. He was 400 pounds. He wanted to get to 180 pounds. And so all he did was drink water, had electrolytes, and had some amino acids, and that was it. I cannot believe he did not die. I was shocked that he didn't die. I thought you couldn't go past, like, two meals. He did it. But his motivation was to lose weight. You know, and so we, we have to know that that was not a spiritual discipline. We have to make sure we don't get caught up into those types of physical things because it's a spiritual thing that's happening. If it's gut health, great. Chris Helmsworth's got a great new documentary all about this, right? You can watch it on the Disney Channel. I highly recommend it for gut health. Fantastic. And maybe you can look like Thor. I don't know. But that's not what. Spiritual discipline of fasting is about. Maybe it's bragging rights that you gave something up more than other people. Joe Rogan and his buddies do this stuff every sober October. Yay, they gave up that stuff. That's great for them. But that's not 
fasting in a spiritual sense, or maybe it's even tradition, and maybe you've been caught up in that in Lent. I love these photos of, the, of these girls up there, because that's what Lent is for some people, just a look of despair, of like, oh, I guess we got to do this. That's not, that's not fasting in a spiritual sense for discipline. It's seeking God. It's, it's doing something hard, giving something up so you can get something better. That's approaching fasting. Jesus said it himself. In Ma- in Mar- I think it's Matthew 6. Yes. Matthew 6. It's not on the screen. But he says, when you fast, don't be like these hypocrites who go out there and like, look at me, I'm fasting. Aren't I spiritual? Jesus says, no, 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 no. When you fast, you do it in secret. You look normal. You don't go around bragging about it, but your father will reward you in secret, right? Fasting's motivation is extraordinarily important for the success of the spiritual discipline. Man, if you got time this week, you should read Isaiah 58. It's a beautifully written piece, and it's talking about fasting and motives of heart. Now, God is speaking to the people about they're practicing fasting, but they're doing it with all the wrong motivations, and they're actually abusing people in the fast. And so God cannot stand for this. And so he starts this line of questioning about, do you really know what fasting is about? Isaiah 58, verse 5 Is such the fast that I choose a day of a person to humble himself? Yes, but they're not doing it. Is it it to bow down his head like a reed? Yes, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him in true mourning for your sin? Yes, but they're not doing that. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Yes. Is it not this, the fast, that I choose to loose, I love this part, to loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Now we're getting to something. So they're laboring in vain, wasting their time, and actually spitting in the face of God by what they're doing. And he's saying, I've established the fast, so you would experience this. Bonds being broken, yokes being broken off of you, breaking free of every yoke. Is it not, uh, sorry, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, your own people, then Shall your light break forth like the dawn, and the healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be in your rear guard. This is a great piece of scripture. God is literally telling them your motives are off, and you're missing out on what I have for you. This is how we should approach fasting. Just remember that. Don't think about weight loss. Don't think about bragging rights. Don't think about any of that other stuff. Think about this, what God says on the other side of it. Don't think about looking good. Yes, there are benefits to fasting. It is, it is scientifically proven, and actually it's a very, very like hot topic right now for health. But the spiritual discipline of fasting, I'll just tell you this, it's a spiritual motivation because it has spiritual purposes. 
the benefits probably will come along with it. They're fantastic. Let me give you three suggestions of times of fasting when I think it's, it might be one to consider for fasting. One is when you're seeking clarity, wisdom, and when you're seeking direction. When you are at a place in your life and you are going, I, I need clarity. I, I, I have a lot of distraction. I'm getting drowned out by a lot of things. What's me? What's God? What's the devil? You know what I mean? That kind of thought you have in your head. But you're seeking clarity and wisdom. I want to lean into you, God, and, and I want to still myself and I want to put away distraction. That's a good time to, to actually enter into a fast. It doesn't have to be a food fast, but just in a fast because you're saying, God, I'm ready to lean in. Acts chapter 13, when they were getting ready the church of Antioch, we read this earlier last year. The church of Antioch is going, what, what do you have for us next, God? So they're doing this. They're praying and they're fasting. What do you have for us next, God? Listen to verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Uh, we know what we think, God. We have our own plans, but God, what do you think? Because we're not exactly sure. Engaging in this fast, in prayer and worship, they begin to then set them off. I think it's important that we do this, that we still ourselves and seek clarity. What do you think, God? My son, he, he's got this really frustrating habit. I, I just can't believe it. He's, you know, this young generation. He's a sixth grader. And I came downstairs the other day, and <laughs> I was shocked. He was literally playing the Xbox, right, watching a video on his phone and doing his homework. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. And he's like, no, I can do it. I can do it. I, I, I can, I, I, you know, I can jump in between this and then go over here when a new, when a new uh, level is loading, I, you know, and I can do my homework. And then I'm, he's watching a video and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know about you, but like my brain broke just watching him do that. But there's something about stepping aside so we can actually hear God's voice in the fast. We get so distracted. It's unbelievable. Another suggestion for fasting is this, in grief and brokenness and in when you want change in your life. Um, you know, the ancient Hebrews had this uh, idea that when you would fast in the, in the course of mourning, and I thought this was a little bit morbid but kind of interesting, is that they would fast in a way when someone passed so they could almost partially engage in what that person is experiencing. They no longer take in physical nourishment anymore to connect them with loss. Now, I thought that was very, very interesting to help in the process of letting them pass. There are a lot of reasons for fasting, but these are some that are important, is when we're in a place where we need to just still and be in God's presence in the midst of something difficult and brokenness, and especially when it comes to change and when you're dealing with sin, a sin that you, I, I think some, for some people cannot overcome. It's when we have to put aside and lean into God and find our satisfaction in Him. Listen to Joel 1, uh, th uh, 1 verse 13. This is this, seeking for repentance to calling out to God. Put on sackcloths and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night, uh, uh, pass the night in sackcloth, O minister of God, because 
grain offerings and drink offerings were withheld from my house. Consecrate a fast. So a solemn, uh, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord and cry out to the Lord. You will hear this language often in the Bible when it, associated with fasting and prayer in times of sin, missing the mark, mourning, and brokenness. But it's to a point where it puts you in a position that I, I have to cry out. When you deplete yourself in a way, you cry out. When you've tuned everything else out, we get to the point where we can actually cry out. I'm placing my life in your hands, God, is what you're saying when you engage in, in these times of fasting. I'm connecting with my loss. You know, my soul cries out for your nourishment, God, because I have gotten myself into things that have given me a false nourishment. I'm feeding myself junk food. I need real food. And I'd say probably the biggest one that most of us will engage in pretty regularly is the spiritual satisfaction. When you're seeking spiritual satisfaction, spiritual growth, times where you really, really know that, I can even say like a spiritual dryness if you've ever had that in your spiritual life. You know, I don't want to break uh, any molds here, but as a pastor, I have been in these seasons in my life where I'm like, where are you, God? Don't judge me. Come on. I, you looked at me like, how dare you? Uh, but there are times where I'm like, I don't feel connected in a way, God. And these are some times where you can engage in your life in a fast. I need more of you, God, like Jess sang last week. I've, I find my life in you, God. I, 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 I want to hunger and thirst for you, God, because I don't feel like I'm hungry and thirsty for you. Listen to Psalms 42. I have three verses and then one more, and we'll get ready to close on this on one more point. Psalms 42, 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams. I love the, uh, the imagery. So pants my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When you're spiritually dry and you find yourself in a place of being very stagnant, Sometimes enter into a spiritual discipline, and maybe even the one of fasting, in a physical, you know, de de depriving yourself, can actually create a hunger and thirst spiritually. Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Now I love this contrast that's happening. You don't need money, you don't need things, Come. What you're looking for will be here. He said, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for which is not bread? And your labor for which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. God is inviting us. Hear that your soul may live. We waste a lot of time and energy on other things, seeking something that will never, ever satisfy us. And God is saying, come, you don't need any of that. There's no price. Just come and you'll experience true satisfaction as you lean into me. And then Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. 
Developing that appetite. Expanding our spiritual palate. Wanting and seeking more of God, the more than the world, is, is so vital. And, but Jesus promises that you need to come hungry and thirsty and you will be satisfied. I'll close with these two, food suge- or two suggestions for fasting. There are more, but let's just start simple so that way we don't get all overwhelmed. One, food. If you want to fast something, fast food. Not fast food. <laughs> Start fasting food, yeah. Uh, Edwin Lewis Cole put a great perspective about the mindset for fasting food. He said, a fast is not a hunger strike. Fasting submits to God's commands. A hunger strike makes God submit to our demands. I love that. Such a great statement. When we fast, we are going, God, what is your commands. What do you need from me? That's how we enter into a fast. But fasting food is not easy, but I want you to see if you could in the next seven days, just maybe, if it doesn't work for you health-wise, I totally understand. There are many more other things to fast, more difficult things like shopping and things like that. So, but, but if it doesn't work for you, I get it. But maybe a lunch Maybe a 24-hour period. I don't really know. But what to do when you're fasting? That's kind of the struggle. Like me, I was wandering around, looking at the cupboards, just, just absolutely lusting over the sugar. I was like, oh, I remember when we were together. Like, this is not a great place for you to be when you're fasting. During the mealtime, maybe that's a time that you are going to find your spiritual food. And you are praying and reading and maybe worshiping. Uh, I, I've heard this suggestion, and there are some uh, religions that do this uh, as a practice, which is the times that you're not eating, add up the money of that food and donate it to those who actually need food. Feed another. Serve someone else during your times where you're not eating. Serve them, right? Engage in something selfless with that time. But there are times we, should, we shouldn't just think we're starving. Remember this. We are investing in something. And the other fast suggestion, which is the most difficult fast suggestion, is media. I know. This is hard. Some of you just clutched your phone as I said that. You're like, not you. Don't worry, baby. Right? We love that phone. But it can start simple, like go to the bathroom without your phone. Hey, I'm just speaking the truth, guys. You don't. Don't even act like it ain't true. It's the most difficult one, and I totally get it. But maybe fasting from your phone, or maybe fasting from TV, or maybe fasting from your computer, or all of them, and experience a slight mental breakdown. But still, what, what, what has happened in our world now is a challenge that no civilization has ever faced. But I actually think when we fast from media, it actually might be more difficult than food, right? And it might be one of the things that our, I think people of our culture could really, really benefit from because we are saying no to the distraction and we're just leaning into God in that time. What do you do without your phone? Maybe go for a walk. And have like a prayer walk. 
when you wake up in the morning, maybe that's the first thing we don't do. And we get up in the morning and we set our day or spend some time with God. Maybe when we go to the bathroom, we contemplate things versus looking at our phone. <laughs> we pray. Another thing, when you're having so much come in at you, right, through all of the distractions, is maybe we then journal. And don't judge me about saying journaling. Journaling is a wonderful thing to do to just express what God is doing in your heart or things that you are seeking God about. Maybe you reflect because you actually have time to have thoughts, right? And you're thinking. Do you remember a certain generation will not understand this, but I tell my kids, I was like, there was a time when I was a teenager that when I left my house, my parents didn't know where I was until I got back. And if I didn't come back, the police were being called because something probably happened. Right? No one knew. No one could get a hold of me. I wasn't texting anybody. Now, some of you remember this, right? And, and there's something about being disconnected so we can actually reflect and think that I think we might see when we fast these types of things. Now, with media, you can go longer than food. But maybe God wants to speak to you in the midst of all the distraction. Maybe he's been trying to get a hold of you and for the purpose of a divine connection, a divine reliance. We maybe wanted to hear his voice more than everything else around us. I don't know what the challenge would be for you. You can fast. There's lots of things. You can look it up and look at all these different disciplines of fasting and the things that you can fast. But those are two I think that would be very important for us as a culture and maybe to try this week as a church. I want you to choose, if you could, if you accept this challenge to fast something in some way this week and, and, and choose addition by subtraction. And I would love for you to tell me what God spoke to you and did to you in that moment or how, how, how he expanded your relationship with him in a different way. And maybe how that's changed maybe the way you view things or something that you were needing to do that, that, that you just thought, wow, like I can't even believe I tasted and I saw and it was good. I would love to know. If it's horrible, don't just tell Chad. Don't tell me. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much for <laughs> these, these little things that we think are nothing, but somehow, God, you use these small physical things like a fast as, as a way to draw us closer to you. What a gift, God. Sometimes reading my Bible can be hard. Sometimes even just knowing what to pray can be hard. Sometimes even knowing how to Sabbath can be hard. But God, I, I, I love it that there's something that we can do that's easy. Abstain from food or abstain from something and we can connect closer to you. I think it's amazing, God. You have implemented these things so that not, not one person will be left behind in engaging to you or feel disqualified to engage with you. So, God, we thank you. We love you. You desire so deeply to have your children connected deeply to you. So that like that Isaiah 58, back end, which is all these things you desire for your people, freedom, light, life, satisfaction, wholeness, is on the other side of us just deeply 
connecting to you, seeking satisfaction, and hungering and thirsting for you. And God, what a gift that is. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take intellect. It doesn't take uh, 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 to be a scholar of any way. It doesn't take to have to be the best person. It just takes hungering and thirsting for you. And that's all you want. And God, let that be all we want. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this last song?